You're listening to The Outspoken Bible, a podcast from Bible 2020 with Fiona Stewart, Jen Robertson and Neil Glover. Well, hello and welcome to The Outspoken Bible. I'm Fiona Stewart. I'm once again joined by Jen Robertson and Neil Glover. Hello to both of you. Hi Fiona. Hi Fiona. Good to uh, see you again. Um, we're going to start just by giving a bit of a roundup of some of the resources that are available at the moment. So Christmas is looming. Uh, we're in the season of Advent. Jen, what have you been working on that, that people can find out about? Well, we have our fantastic Christmas Windows resource, which the so people who have bought, bought that, ordered it, has just been incredible. So I think we've had 15,000 orders. Well, not orders. No, I think the orders are about 400, but the amount of packs that have gotten out have been 15,000 which represents families all over Scotland and the mm-hmm. UK who will be engaging with the story of Luke in the run-up to Christmas and making a Christmas window in their home somewhere to tell that story. So pro- people are probably too late now to, to order the physical pack, but the resources are still available on the SBS website, aren't they? Yes, yeah, so if you go to the Scottish.Bible Scottish website. Scottish website, Christmas, forward slash Christmas, it's all there. Mm-hmm. You can download the cards yourself and the templates of the images um, it's not quite the same as getting the cards, but there's still all the information there for you to do that. And there's a QR code on that that links to some audio that, oh, that yes. we're encouraging families to listen to. <laughs> there's a lovely podcast for families to listen to. It goes along with the activity cards. It's got a fantastic host, Fiona Stewart, who draws you in to the Christmas story, helps you think of what you're doing as you make your window. And honestly, it's just beautiful. It's so impressive. So even if you don't have the cards, tune in to the family podcast. Well, and, and edited by the lovely Alistair Wallace, yes. who's known so, to this podcast. So you so you were struggling earlier, Fiona, with a, trying to handle your modesty because you're really pleased with this, aren't you? I am quite pleased with it. Well, I, I'm, pl- I'm pleased with it as a, as a concept, uh-huh. but I think Alistair has done a fantastic job on making it sound really good. What is it? Is it telling the Christmas story? Uh, well, it's telling the story of, of... It's basically inviting someone into my house whilst I make these um, window decorations. Mm-hmm. And we we talk through it, and then we have a little bit of a discussion about what we're learning each day. And then um, a friend, Cameron Potts, who's an actor, has voiced all the, the Bible readings that go along with it. So together, in an imaginary sense, together we listen to the the Bible being read and then we we think about some things that make us wonder or make yeah. us have questions. Lovely open and then, wondering questions. Yeah and then Jen has written fantastic stuff that goes along with that so activities that families can be doing making their stuff for the windows or or um, thinking about how they can connect with their communities and so on. So it's all a sort of integrated package it feels like good teamwork. Yeah I think Podcasts for families, children, young people are increasing. And I just read some research yesterday that showed in lockdown particularly there has been an increase in uh, families engaging with that. I think partly because we've, we've all got Alexas, etc. in their houses and in some ways that's more accessible and parents feel a bit more part of what's going on. It also seems to improve literacy in children oh, if they listen to podcasts, which is a, an interesting sideline. But I, I think this podcast gives families the chance if you're feeling really busy and you think, oh, how, how, how do I talk about the Bible with my family? I, I don't even know how to talk about it myself. Maybe you feel it just it brings someone else into that family moment mm-hmm. together in a really down to earth, simple way, but in a, in a meaningful way and leaves you with questions about life and God that are just great for everybody. I think, I mean, it's in some ways it's not different to somebody sitting reading a story, is it? That, that's what I very much felt when yeah. I was when I was writing it, voicing it. But, but it's it, it it's it's a lovely use of a technology in a way that's not intrusive. I yeah. think it, it just allows you to do something yeah. that you would you would do anyway. 
if yeah, it feels natural and normal and, and just fits into your kind of routine mm-hmm. of daily life. Mm-hmm. So that's called yeah. Christmas Windows. What's yeah. the advent called? What's that? Uh, what's the advent called? The advent's called the advent. That's the podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, that's another podcast. So there's, there's basically three things around. So there's the Christmas Windows, which is the family resource. There's an advent reader. So that's a, a, a book form. Um, taking you through Christmas readings. Again, it's probably too late to order that by the time this goes out, but you can find the information on the website. And then the third item is called The Advent Neil, and it's it's a, a podcast for adults. So in the same way that we did the Where You Go podcast in the summer around the story of Ruth, we've taken um, the Bible 2020 readings in from the, from the 5th of December through to the 24th, so 20 days worth of readings. And we've created a an audio experience, I suppose, round about that, called the Advent. I, li- I like I like the introduction. There's there's a there's a certain um, tribe tribal way of talking within some parts of uh, Christianity where they've switched the pronouns now. So where they instead of talking about Christ, they talk about the Christ, and instead of talking mm-hmm. about the Spirit, they talk about Spirit. Uh, so yeah, I just thought it was quite interesting that you interesting. You had the, do you remember that band called the the? You've added the there. Yes, yes, the there. So those those resources all available on scottish.bible forward slash Christmas. Um, we'd love to get some feedback going. People who've maybe connected with one of the other podcasts or have been using the Windows, uh, get in touch with us. Let us know how you're getting on with that. Let us know maybe how you've distributed. Because there were some great stories from the summer about people who distributed the bags. Uh, anyway, thank you very much. Neil, have you got anything exciting going on during Advent? Oh, nothing to compare with any of this. Um, oh, come on. I'm, I'm filming on my main Christmas service on Sunday, so it's all early. Uh, That's good. And so, yeah, we hit Christmas early, and I'm going to run around a primary school playground on Sunday as well with bits of nativity things to tell the story Jen you'd be proud Jen is the queen of how to tell a bible story to a primary school brilliant brilliant and you've got your tv appearance coming up yeah you and I yeah we're (laughs) we're on the what's the uh, what's the name of it is it reflections Uh, at the key Reflections. It's reflections at the key. I always think it should be reflections from the key, but I think it's reflections at the key, isn't it? Can we so slip a Bible twenty twenty reference in there? <laughs> you could plug plug the podcast. You could we plug could the do. podcasts. We could do all three of them. We could do. We could find some way to subtly subtly slip it in. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. Former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight, and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. Uh, today we're, we're thinking about heaven. Yes. Heaven, I'm in heaven. Yeah. Yeah. Feels and- like heaven. It does so many actually quite that's a, that we didn't so discuss many that. so many songs mm. so much cultural baggage actually around the concept of heaven and I mean before we came on air and we were just talking through what we we're going to talk about I, I I was commenting on the fact that that doing a straight read through this theme through these these heaven themes it really struck me once again that the biblical perspective of heaven is so different, isn't it, to how we tend to think of it in, in worldly terms. We, th- we think of it as a very polarised thing. We think about heaven and hell. These two things are often set in opposition to one another. Um, and then we have this kind of Philadelphia cheese-sponsored idea of clouds and harps. And- I blame once in Royal David City. All in okay. white are gathered round. 
Yeah. Which I mean, yep. there are there are biblical images of angels in white, but it then creates this very monochrome picture. So it shows up. I also remember. Do you remember Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, where they went to heaven yes. and it was all white? There's a there's a sequel out at the moment. But anyway, yeah. that's the whole thing. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, but there's a whole there's a whole podcast extra we could do on uh, the theology of Christmas carols, really, isn't there? But yes. So so we have we have this view of of what heaven is, and then when you come down to these passages and read into them, it's very different, isn't it? There's not the dichotomy. Heaven is very much described as something that that is close. The kingdom of heaven is something that's close. Um, there's that sense of of much more talk of Jesus' return, really, than there is about life after death for me as an individual. I feel I've got so much I want to talk about. Yeah, and as the, it's all. Somebody once said to me, "The Bible speaks more about hell than it does about heaven." Or Jesus spoke more about hell than he did about heaven. And I was curious about that, and I went went and looked, and it's not even close. The number mm. of times that Jesus mm. speaks about heaven is way more than he speaks about hell. Now he does sometimes set up that dichotomy, particularly in some of the parables um, mm-hmm. of heaven and hell. But you're right; it is such a prevalent theme throughout mm-hmm. the New Testament and, as we're about to see, in the Old Testament as well. Yeah. So can we start with this idea of, you know, you know I think a popular perception really when we talk about heaven would be very much the idea of life after death. Mm. And I think, you know, culturally at the moment, I think in the situation we're in, uh, that, that's something that more people are thinking about. There, there, there's more questioning going on. So, so where do we go in answering answering that idea? Is heaven is heaven the place that I go to when I die? That that idea that if you look at the the New Testament, that the first thing that, that I'm struck by, particularly using these passages, is that heaven is seen as a, an event that seems to break in. It seems to to come in, um, and so Paul, for example, when he talks about we'll all be changed in the twinkling of an eye, he's much less interested in heaven as a place I go to when I die, and he's much more interested mm-hmm. in this is what's going to happen when when Christ will come. So that there's a much more sense of this in-breaking movement of Jesus. And mm-hmm. then for Jesus to begin his own ministry by saying the kingdom of heaven is near or the Lord's prayer may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven or blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, not theirs will be the kingdom of heaven. Um, there is an idea that heaven breaks in in all sorts of, of different places and into people's lives. And so you could say that for example, Pentecost is like this early experience of heaven or when mm-hmm. people are healed and when Jesus makes that report to John the Baptist, it's this experience of heaven. They're almost like lots of inbreakings, which are signs of a, a final inbreaking, which is still to come. And all the way through these passages that we've read, there's a sense, well, it's not just a sense, it's a very clear restoration mm-hmm. that's going yep. on. Things are being turned back to what they were meant to be, cities, walls are being rebuilt. And then you come to Jesus and he's resurrected and he is made new what he was, but but not what he was. He's, he's now a resurrected Jesus, which is the same but different. Yeah. And then that carries on into the sense of, of heaven as a place that is the way the world was meant to be. Yes. But as, as Neil said, it's one of the things that really... I, I saw afresh as I read these bits of the Bible was that this begins now. It isn't, we're not just sitting waiting for this place to occur, mm-hmm. but we're part of that mm-hmm. restoration now as, as God's people here mm-hmm. at this time. Uh, and we see glimpses of that, don't yeah. we? You know, of, of God restoring people, God 
uh, rebuilding things that we thought were destroyed, not not physically, obviously, but in, in people's lives and relationships. Yeah, that, that sense of restoration, that comes through in the Isaiah passage um, where, where Jerusalem is not, going to be a, is not going to be a city of weeping and crying anymore. Yeah. And just after the Isaiah 65 passage, um, there's a lovely bit where it says, um, if... If someone is a hundred years old, they will still be considered young, or something like, or people will live to a hundred. And I love the idea that that people's sense of youthfulness and vitality and their bodies will be restored. Um, mm-hmm. I often uh, the, the vision I often have of that people being a hundred still being young. Um, I used to remember uh, boys' brigade displays, which I used to go to quite a lot in my my previous parish. And uh, the oldest officer who'd been an officer for years and years was a guy called Charlie Black. And he would kind of sit and kind of slightly hunched and, you know, a frail man. He was still very young in heart, but he would watch these boys doing all these vaults because the boys would get display the... the Yes. Terrifying. Oh, I know. I know. I know. It takes years oh, off. You watch Yeah, there were some moments where people were holding <laughs> things together. And I'm thinking, oh, please. People do these vaults. And I have this image in heaven that in the Boys Brigade display in heaven, what will happen is that Charlie Black will stand up. And after the, you know, the 18 year old boy has done his trampette over the horse with his somerset, somersault in midair. Charlie will then line up behind him and Charlie will just bounce yeah. off the trampette and do you know double somersaults and then land. And that's what it'll be like in, in heaven. It's that restoration of 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 mm. bodies. Um, yeah. And Charlie died uh, just uh, over a year ago. Um, I'm getting the dates. I think it might even be two years ago that he died. And I, I'd love that image of, of him there. And that idea of restoration as well also comes in the final passage that you look at where it's the tree of life. And that's mm-hmm. we haven't met that tree since mm-hmm. uh, Genesis mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. in the Garden of Eden. It's almost like we're allowed back in to Eden. Jen's always a, a, an advocate for the Bible Project, but I went and looked at the Bible Project's um, infographic video thing on heaven. And it was it was very helpful in thinking about all of the stuff we've just talked about. It talked about the the, the, the disparity between um the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth, but it's not that's not the way it was meant to be, obviously in Eden. Um I, I, and what Jesus is doing. It, it, they they refer to the temple being the place of of holiness on earth, the sort of intersection of those two worlds. Mm. But then what Jesus does, he comes as as the temple and then of course he absorbs um all of the all of the the unholiness that that stops us from experiencing that but goes into that that thing of in we're, we're in that place of the now and the not yet aren't we where we we see glimpses jen like you mentioned but we we don't see it fully yet um and the thing as you said for us jesus that is at the heart of these passages mm-hmm. that it's about when um after Lazarus dies and Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, believe in me. Yeah. And, and that's repeated again in the, the passages about in my father's house, uh, believe in me, You come, come with me, I'll take you, trust me. It's not about believing in that place and hoping that we get there. It's believing in Jesus, uh, putting our hands into his hand now in life and then whatever that looks like, into eternity. Yeah, if you if you if you ask me the question exactly as you're saying there, Jen, if you ask me the question, do you believe in heaven? I'll say yes, but sometimes it's a harder it's a harder mm. question to answer because you, you think, do I do I really doubt it? You know, do I believe in that place? But if you ask me the question, do I believe in Jesus? Then suddenly it becomes a, a whole. I trust in it a lot more. I love that image of allowing. What was it you said there? Allowing Jesus to put his hand into yours. And yeah. trusting in that, 
going together. And that John 14 passage, Jesus, it begins Mm -hmm. with the question, where are you going? But it very quickly moves to the question, who is the way? Who is there? For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself, and not by human hands. There's something about how the Old Testament presents an idea and then the, the change that happens in the New Testament. There's also something, isn't there, about the physicality of all of this. Um, Neil, how would you answer the question about, is, is an Old Testament view of, of, of the kingdom of heaven, is it different to a new? Certainly Jesus didn't see it as being different, but it's certainly more explicit in the New Testament. So Jesus would, would sense the idea of life beyond. And for example, he gets asked about the resurrection towards the end of his life. You remember when the Sadducees tried to trap him with that question about, you know, the man who has, or the woman who has seven uh, husbands who are all brothers, mm-hmm. whose husband will she be in the life to come? And Jesus, you know, he, he says, oh, haven't you heard the story of the bush? And of course they've heard the story of the bush, burning bush. And then he says, God is the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He's the God of the living and the dead. Now, for Jesus, it, it is utterly true that this is pointing to life beyond death. But it would also have to be said that for many of us reading that passage, it's not explicit. I think mm-hmm. what happens in the New Testament is it becomes much more explicit. There are there are mm-hmm. odd moments in the Old Testament. Daniel 12 is normally the verse that gets cited, um, but or the chapter that gets cited. But in the New Testament, it's suddenly much more explicit. And the, and the key thing that, of course, has changed is that uh, the... Well, there are two things. One is actually the Pharisees have developed Judaism since the Old Testament to point much more to life beyond death. So for all that we criticise the Pharisees, their thought is beginning to come much more into the the New Testament. But of course, the other thing that, that happens is the resurrection of Jesus. And that just changes everything for everybody. And the place that you see that probably most in the passages that we're looking at is in 1 Thessalonians 4, where... Um, what's happened is that Paul has left Thessalonica. I mean, he's only been there for two to three weeks. I don't know impact that Paul had in, small, in places when he was only there for three weeks, you know. And we talk about someone, if they've been in a ministry for three years, as having had a short ministry. You know, Paul, that's like ages. Um, so he's been in Thessalonica for three weeks. And for some reason, he doesn't seem to have covered the resurrection in quite the way that you might expect. Um, mm-hmm. And and what What's happened is some people seem to have died and people are worried because they're, they're ex- they were expecting Jesus to come back. So what's going to happen to these people that have died before Jesus has come back? And Paul brings in that resurrection and says, because Jesus has, has been raised, then, then so um, are we. So uh, verse 14, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again. So that's the big resurrection event. And so, therefore, in the light of it, we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. And it's that explicit tying of the resurrection of Jesus to our own experience, which is one of the the dominant themes in the whole of the New Testament. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And And that's what what Jesus asked Martha to believe. Mm -hmm. 
I think maybe when I've read that before when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though he dies. And I've sometimes thought Jesus is saying, you need to believe in heaven or you need to believe in what will happen in eternity. But he's not asking that. He's asking Martha and all of us to believe yeah. in him. Yeah. And the, the focus is all on that. Yes, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because her response is, I believe you're the Messiah. Yeah, and so, so and mm. I, I've all, I've always struggled a bit with that. Like, I'm, I'm, is that why does she say that? But it's it's exactly that thing, isn't it, of linking who he is and and bringing it back to to him. Yeah, she and she says, I believe in the resurrection on the last day, doesn't she? In John eleven, mm-hmm. I think sometimes mm-hmm. the question about heaven sometimes makes you ask a question: What's the shape of the universe? It starts asking questions like, you know, mm. where, where's everybody going to go, yeah. and is there going to yeah, be yeah. room yeah. for everybody? And you know, I start thinking, well, you know, physics. The physicists now say there's probably eleven dimensions, so probably there's a few dimensions spare in which we can fit everybody in. But <laughs> the Bible's not really interested in that sort of talk. It's mm-hmm. much more. He's coming. We we saw him rise from the dead, so we can kind of um, we can kind of trust him in the future because we've seen what he did in the past. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, somebody obviously uh, people at NT Wright have have written a lot on this. I I found Surprised by Hope mm. a really helpful book in thinking about all of this. And one of the things that it really um, provoked in me is that is that that connection of what what I do now matters into mm. eternity. Yeah. As an artist, yeah. it matters to me. It matters to me that, that because because I think often we can we can rank what we do um, by very practical outcomes, and, and sometimes when you when you have a, a a job that is about beautifying or or bringing challenge and all that sort of stuff, you think, well, where, really, does this really matter? Whereas that argument and those verses, I it think, are telling matter. me it does matter. It does matter. Yeah, yeah. I went back to watch um, uh, one of the Noom videos Numa. by Rob Numa. Bell. Numa. Well, Noom's a completely different thing. That's like a diet app, okay. isn't it? It is. Yes. It controls your food intake. It up I have it on my phone. Isn't Noom as well? What's that one that? What's the one that comes from a uh, Scripture Union Ireland? That's Nua. That's Nua. Yeah. Nua. Yeah. yeah. It's confusing, isn't yeah. it? Anyway, so Numa. Numa by Rob Bell, which she made a long time ago now, I think, these videos. But there's one called Between the Trees, and it's just exactly what you're talking about. So he, as he talks, he's planting two trees, and he talks about the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in Eden and the tree of life that will be in the new earth. Uh, and that we and that God has always been and God will always be, and we are in this really small moment between the trees living but we're part of that kingdom of heaven and what we do matters. And it brings all the amazing stuff that we read about in heaven in these verses, you know, there'll be no more tears, no more crying. It's a, a taste of heaven. And we are part of that now. We, we, we need to know that. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart also will be jen that makes me think about about um, what you were telling us before about the the parable of the rich farmer and and how you told that recently yeah 
The parable of the rich farmer, the story where Jesus tells of the man who builds his bigger barns and he thinks that's it, he can just rest and he's got all his riches. And then Jesus says, well, God says in the story, tonight's the night you're going to die. What, what good was all that barn building, really? And Jesus says afterwards, um, basically, we need to be rich towards God in this life. And I was telling that story from my home church and it connects with these passages and the passage we read about do not store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So when I told that story, I filmed it, I went up to Kittickside Farm, which is the Museum of Rural Life in East Kilbride. I, I booked my slot and I went up and filmed the story in the in the farmyard because my sister-in-law, Sheila Cook, her aunt, Aunt Meg, owned the farm uh, many years ago. And as she and her husband got older, they realised there was no one to take over the farm. And they wondered what, what they were going to do with this rich land that they had and the, and the barns and the animals. And the obvious thing to do would have been to have sold it to a property developer. And they could have made so much money um, before they died in selling their land to build more houses in East Kilbride. And if you know East Kilbride, there's lots of houses in East Kilbride. But they didn't want to do that. They wanted that land to be kept and maintained. So they gave it away. They gave away the farm to the National Trust and... I, th- I, knowing Meg through Sheila, I, I know that she was rich towards God. She loved Jesus, and that act was a very practical act in giving what she had to future generations. So the story of farming and the way farming's been done for generations in Scotland would be maintained. I'm sure, she had no idea <laughs> how it's developed and grown. But to me, that was a really practical story of what it means to. To not build, to not build up riches here uh, where moths break in and destroy, as Jesus said, but for your riches to be where your heart is in heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we can't all do that. We don't all have farms to sell. <laughs> There's lots of, and that was my challenge to my church family and to myself. You know, what, what can we give away? What have we got that we can give away uh, because we're rich towards God? Yeah. And it comes back again to that relationship with Jesus, doesn't it? That if this sense of heaven is a continuation of what happens now, if if there's no relationship with Jesus now, um, what what does that mean to go on and be somewhere else in the future after we so, die? It's funny, it's funny you say that's making me think of the fact I, I was speaking at a youth event recently and I, I was speaking on that Matthew 6 passage about um, treasures in heaven and I was thinking about rodents and stuff and, and I, I once had a sofa that was <laughs> eaten by a mouse. I mean... Obviously, it didn't eat the whole. I think I remember that. Yeah, and it was a lovely sofa. It was honestly, it was the apple of my eye. That sofa. It was red. It was huge. Used to. It was the the, the first piece of furniture that I ever bought, and I used to have that flat in in Rutherglen, actually yeah. in Burnside, and it, yeah. you know. Most of the things about that flat were not great, but the sofa was beautiful. Um, anyway, when I moved down south, I was storing it in my parents' garage, and it, it got eaten by a mouse. Clearly, it couldn't digest the whole sofa, but it was, you know, it had to go out basically because it was it had rodents in it. And I, so I was using that as an example and, and just talking about, I, I did take great pride in that as the piece of furniture. Mm. But actually, the thing that I hold on to is the memories of people who were round in the flat. Mm. It was a sofa bed, so people could come and stay mm. and have hospitality. You know, it was a place of rest, all of those kind of things you can think about. Mm. And, and actually, some of those things last into eternity. So the sofa is no longer there, having been digested the by a mouse. The laughter does, <laughs> isn't it? All the... But the la- yeah, the laughter and the friendships and the and actually yeah. people encountering Jesus, you, you know, yeah. on that sofa. That, yeah, that, you gave that you gave has... away. Do you mm-hmm. remember Stephen mm-hmm. Anderson, mm-hmm. Captain Stephen Anderson? Mm, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. He he. So the theme of this product, podcast is rapidly turning into people who sold farms, and because <laughs> he he was a he um. 
he was a he was a soldier and he was a rough guy. I mean, people around here remember him saying he was a tough, tough guy. And he he came to faith. I mean, he was a real battler, and I think his journey into faith was a yeah. battle as well. But he he really transformed, and uh, uh, he came to faith, and he became he sold it was Alton the Creech that he sold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Alton the Creech escaped yeah. issue, mm-hmm. and thinking mm-hmm. the legacy of that, and um, mm. he he had all sorts of other legacies. I think there's a grant for preaching the gospel in Scottish ski areas. And I'm sure he must have had something to do with that because he was a big skier. Yeah, um, very specific. He, he taught me to ski. And his thing was, face down the slope, face the enemy. That's what he used to say as we'd, we'd go down. <laughs> um, and, um, but the, the, yeah, the interesting thing, Peter, oh, he was also an evangelist. He was a passionate evangelist. He was mm-hmm. At one stage, he was the Church of Scotland's, uh, he was appointed Church of Scotland evangelist. And I remember there's an apocryphal story of somebody phoning up the Church of Scotland headquarters and saying, I think I'd be called to be an evangelist. And the person on the phone went, oh, no, we've already got one of those. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, no, but but Stephen died in teen in France. And uh-huh. he was um, with a great friend of mine, Laura McGray, and they were up. Um, they were traveling up on the, I think it was a funicular railway uh, that goes through the mountain. And on the way up, they began to have a conversation like we're having now about the physicality of heaven. And um, they were saying, um, do, do you think there'll be snow in heaven? And I think Stephen was hmm. saying, it'll be wonderful. The snow slopes in heaven will be wonderful. We'll be skiing and it'll be fresh powder. And uh, and then they get up and they, 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 they ski down and halfway down in the light of that conversation, mm. Mm. Um, Stephen dies and mm. in the middle of the, the mm. ski slope. And and people were there and saying, what a way to go. You go up the mountain dreaming yeah. of heaven and mm-hmm. then you ski down the mountain and, yeah. and you die. And you almost have this vision that, you know, did, did Stephen almost like keep his skis on? You know, yeah, well, he just keeps skiing <laughs> down. And then, yeah. then suddenly he just immediately, with the twinkling of an eye, goes from earth to heaven and he's going, oh, the snow's a bit different. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I remember uh, sitting in Alton Creek with a group of people at an SU event, and Stephen Anderson was doing the Bible teaching, and he we'd had the Bible teaching, and it was time for a coffee break, and he prayed, and he just said, "Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus, for beautiful things like coffee and tea. You must have loved us so much to give them to us." Wow. That, and I remember, I remember that prayer. I don't remember it. I don't remember much else of what he said. It's just totally beautiful. Brilliant. Brilliant. What from these verses are you going to take away and think about and put into practice and dwell on? Well, it's been a few podcasts since I've mentioned C.S. Lewis, (laughs) Narnia books. But The Last Battle, which is the final instalment of Narnia, um, if you haven't read it, give it a read. And a lot of what we've talked about has just taken me back to that. I found it really helpful in thinking about heaven. Because it's all to do with their, their relationship with Aslan, mm-hmm. that that relationship goes on into heaven. Mm-hmm. And actually, probably controversially, in the heaven that is the new Narnia, there's people there, or dwarfs, and they can't see Aslan, and they can't see anything else. They can't see all the goodness. They're actually there, mm-hmm. but there's no connection with Aslan, so they miss it all. Mm-hmm. And also that physicality that we've been talking about, they go through the new Narnia, and it just goes on and on and on, and they run, and they fly, and they jump, and there's no tiredness, mm-hmm. and there's... There's no feeling sick or needing to eat or drink. Um, it's it's the per- perfect uh, life in an Arnia that they recognise all the time, but it's different because there's none of the none of the bad stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I've just been really encouraged reading this, and 
Um, but the main thing for me is that it's all about Jesus. It's a relationship with him. Um, it's not, a, I mean, all the things we've talked about are really important. We have to struggle and think about heaven and what it'll be like and where we're going. But actually, I'll just stick with Jesus and he'll take me to mm-hmm. whatever it is, as he's taken, as he does every day. Great. Great. Neil, what about you? There's been loads of things. Just that thing as well that Jen's just been saying as well about um, the, the the way that we trust in, it's not so much do you believe in heaven, but do you believe in Jesus? Mm-hmm. I think as well, I think um, the perpetual sense that this is a hope that infects, that's the wrong word, colours, would that be a better word? It's a, it's a hope that transfuses the whole of the New Testament, this hope mm-hmm. of resurrection. And I think as I get older, you know, you get you get to an age that you never thought you'd get to, and and mm-hmm. this week I, I, I'm conscious that um, one of one of my ministerial colleagues that I trained with, Sally, she uh, she just died last week, and then a guy I was at university with, Barry Barry Armstrong, he died on Tuesday, and you're conscious, you know, how much how much left do we have? And there's a temptation to cram everything in, but mm-hmm. actually, is is there a trust that you can trust both the the, the fact that this world is finite and not be scared of that and trust Jesus to hold us beyond. Sometimes in congregations, you, you can sometimes ask the question, who wants to go to heaven when you die? And everybody will stick up your hand and go, yeah, of course I want to go to heaven when I die. And then you say, who would like to go there tomorrow? And almost all the hands come down. People will say things like, oh, I wouldn't mind a day pass or something like that. <laughs> but I remember once I did this in Northern Ireland and a woman called Janet Morris absolutely thrust her hand up even higher. I want to go there. I want to go there tomorrow. Too right. Don't know what her husband thought sitting next to her. <laughs> but, you know, she was there. And that's because she had been ill the previous year and had had to deal with her own finality. And yet mm-hmm. in dealing with that, she also confronted this, this, this massive hope, which it just grabs a hold of the of the New Testament Christians, and they write about it all the time. Peter, he's given us new birth into a living hope. So I think it's mm-hmm. that that sense that infuses the whole life of the early Christians, and that inspires us today. That's really helpful, really helpful. And it plays into what I'm thinking about because I liked I liked what you said when you talked about people who cast vision and who who present a vision of heaven because I think the thing I'm I'm really wrestling with at the moment is how how do I talk about this with people who don't know Jesus mm. I think there was something really early on in in the pandemic actually Adam Fleming on a newscast was 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 talking about how hard he finds it to even contemplate the idea of death and to think about people mm. um facing their mortality and and ever since then it's, it, this was back in the springtime and it's really been playing around my head how how do we find ways that are not uh, twee that are not, you know, uh, sound like a panacea to people, but to, to actually engage people with the reality of this, that heaven is, is real yeah. and actually death is real mm-hmm. and yeah. thinking about what what happens beyond, but the reality of Jesus in, in the midst of all of that. So, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's encouraged me to go and think about how I communicate that with other people. And I think that is just the central thing of what we're all experiencing during this pandemic. I mean, I, I'm I'm amazed at how different I feel now at this stage than I did in March when we first mm-hmm. heard about COVID. I mean, I honestly was terrified mm-hmm. that I was going to get it and die. And then I had to stop and think, why am I terrified mm-hmm. that I'm going to die? I am going to die. Now, I've yeah. known that for a long time. I've known it since I was eight. I remember the day I first thought, <laughs> yeah, I realised that I was going to die. Mm-hmm. 
And that is at the heart of it. And so I had to go through a real process over the last few months with God, thinking this through, that it's about my mortality. It's not about COVID mm-hmm. because we will all die. Um, so once we sort this out in ourselves, and I feel I've gone through some kind of process, don't know what it is, it's only we can then help other people yeah. with that too. Yeah, yeah. Well, so much to think about, so much um, to talk about going forward. So if people want to get in touch and tell us um, their thoughts, uh, further questions and so on, then you can do that through the social media channels and, and uh, we'd be delighted to, to pick up on some of that. But in the meantime, thank you both for joining me again. Thank you, despite, Thanks, despite things I've said in the past, we, we still have two more themes in 2020 to go. So we've got <laughs> Christmas to talk about next time and then there's a, a final week of the year and uh, the proposal is that we're, we're going to keep going with uh, the outspoken Yay. bible into 2021 which is great uh we'll give you more information uh, near the time about what that's going to look like but obviously uh we'll be we'll give you we'll give more information out once that information actually is formed that's what i was trying not to say <laughs> you make it sound like it's already sorted and worked out we just we're working on the, the communication strategy <laughs> Uh, Neil, that's how I live my life. <laughs> I, I just, you know, project an air of calmness. Even though we don't know what. Really what we know there will be something. We haven't worked out what it is yet. <laughs> well, I'm going to uh, stop the recording now. So thank you very much to both of you. Before you say anything else, thank you. Else. Thank you. <laughs>